Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, back off of a lengthy, definitely lengthy for Aaron and Jasper, lengthy hiatus from hosting the Palace of Pistons podcast, Mike Angolano, joining, well, really for the first time in a long time, joining Aaron, uh, Aaron Johnson, talking some Pistons uh, basketball for the first time in a long time. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing good. It is great to have you back. It's almost poetic that Jasper couldn't be on this week because we just like can seemingly never get all three of us in a room. Um, It's not, I swear to God, it's not that like we're each a bunch of divas and like we can't go (laughs) all working together. It literally has just been absolutely impossible to get all three of us to sit down and, and, and share a Zoom call with one another. Yeah, we're not headed towards the inevitable Palace of Pistons breakup. It just so happens it's just not – timing just isn't working. And you're right, it is kind of poetic because as soon as you said, hey, when can we record this week? Like Jasper immediately was like, yeah, I can't. Like it wasn't even a uh, – maybe it was a no. And I think it was right after I said, yeah, I can this week. So It's, it's it funny was- too because <laughs> we, Jasper and I had been recording Thursday at like 5 o'clock, 5.30 – for probably a good month or so, three three weeks at least. Like this yeah. is the first time we've been like kind of like just going at the same time, like on a consistent basis in a very very long time. And then the first week that you're able to, to hop back on the pod, he just as soon as I said, "Hey, what what are we thinking this week?" He just goes, "Yeah, no, I'm out. I- I'm too good for this." <laughs> so it yeah, like you said, just completely. <laughs> it it is just poetic that that all three of us just couldn't make it work well it kind of harkens back to the beginning of when we added jasper to the podcast of when uh we couldn't figure out any time and jasper and i were doing the old man pod since we're the two oldest in the pals of distance group chat um well hopefully i can be as funny as jasper it's it's unlikely but i'll give it a go and uh i'll try to be just as ridiculous but Nobody hold their breath. Um, but I'm very happy to be back. I'm glad to be back. Talk with you, even though we have almost nothing to talk about. As the entire basketball world sits and waits for Joe Sy and Sean Marks to maybe get fired, or rather, Sy to fire uh, Sean Marks and Steve Nash, or to cave and uh, keep them both and trade Kevin Durant, the whole basketball world waits what a toxic in story. the balance. That's just utterly toxic. Like it's, it's, I'm not against player empowerment, but I I think this is an example where 
and, and I get, you know, Kevin Durant's a top five player in our league. He is a Hall of Famer. He is a star of stars. But this is where it goes a little bit too far. The fact that it's trade me or you need to fire your head coach and your general manager for me to stay for now because until the next thing happens that, in this case, Kevin Durant doesn't like, it's just it's 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 gone too far. And I think we're going to see some repercussions of all of these situations that have seemingly piled on top of one another where, where player empowerment seems to just be extending a little bit too far. It's going to pile on in the next CBA. And I, I do think we're going to see some, some major changes, not to go off on a, on a tangent, but this Kevin Durant situation is is icky, I think is the, the right way to describe it. It is pretty icky. Um, and the teams that he was um... – or that Vegas rather was putting odds on for him to be with. I think it was the Suns for a while because obviously that was the early report, and then it flipped quite a bit. All of a sudden, Boston and Philadelphia moved up the chart because there was a report that he would welcome a trade to either of those teams. So, what was the problem? Why would he go back to James Harden if James Harden wanted to get out of that? You know, is 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 uh, is Kyrie Irving the problem? And that's just why James Harden wanted out and why KD wants out. Um, don't get it, but uh, it is interesting to see who he is uh, mocked to by Vegas and uh, where the betting odds are. And speaking of betting odds, we should probably touch on our sponsor for this week, which is, of course, Bet Online. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events. With first-to-market odds and lines, you can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Aaron, our early pods uh, were had a segment about golf every time, so I'm glad that we have uh, a little golf mention here. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head on over to Bet Online or use your mobile device today. Join and make your first sports bet and use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that code is BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You know, we are going to end up talking a lot about non Pistons-related content because we are just in a dry spell. We've already had our little Kevin Durant conversation, but the golf world, you know, continues to be turned upside down with the Saudi Arabian influx of money with the Live Tour. And uh, I saw today that, uh, and and I don't think it was meant to be anything harmful, but uh, Scotty Scheffler basically did the Allen Iverson step over Ty Louie, stepped over Cam Smith, who was li- trying to line up a putt, and. Uh, Cam Smith, of course, uh, the winner of the Open, and who just recently joined the Live Tour, uh, along with pretty much every major golfer except for Tiger Woods. Thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I think they were smiling about it afterwards, but just kind of some funny stuff, just to interject our golf talk for for this episode. Just like old times when we were uh, in COVID basketball, we were in bubble ball and figuring out stuff to talk about. Yeah, I think... Uh... I don't know a whole lot about the live. Like I, I, I can't say I've watched any of it. I mean, it might've been on like just in passing. They have, 
doing no TV rights, I don't think. Okay. Okay. Cause I, yeah, I've never like, I think I've only seen like maybe a highlight or something. I I don't know. I, I, I can't honestly recall a for sure moment where I I've seen anything in terms of actual golf matches uh, from live. I will say it's been really interesting watching everything play out from that uh, in terms of how the PGA has handled the situation, you know, saying, Oh, we're going to ban you if, if you go there and how the live just somehow Saudi Arabia is just tossing millions and millions and millions of dollars out at these guys. And look, I'll, I'll say it, you know, on some podcasts that I've listened to recently, you know, there are some podcasts are throwing out their number for, for, for what it would take for them to go to the lift. And, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not going to be a hundred million, $800 million. I'm not Tiger Woods. I'm not $800 million or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, I can be had for, for a cheaper penny than that. And, you know, if you're someone from the live listening to our podcast is I completely uh, expect to be happening. Just, just slide into my, my DMS on Twitter. And uh, right. I, I, I I I will sell out for for money. So just just get get at me, Liv. Get at Don't me. Don't even have to put you on TV once they get those rights. <laughs> I mean, you could just put me in a corner. I'll just putt around. Yeah, I am good with that. You that can literally just have me. the players strike balls at me. I, Lord knows I'm not going to hit them the way you want <laughs> to. So I'll just be you know I'll be like the the guy in the in the dunk tankers or whatever you guys want. You know if you guys ever ever get streaming live TV rights like. You want to use me for some for some joke content like my numbers my number can be out there i can make that make that known make that public or they could be a sponsor for this podcast it could that'd probably be a lot easier but uh no i'd rather just you know what to send me the saudi arabia let's do it that'll work that'll work uh yeah lots of, lots we of golf talk. the pistons or, or you know you know yeah yeah i guess we should we certainly aren't going to talk about the tigers um god no except yeah. Alabila's gone amen i mean hilarious just all right since we're doing it hilarious that the detroit tigers chris illich who makes a buffoon of himself every time he speaks to the media uh it's hilarious that they let alex avila run another deadline where there were some key moves anticipated to be made just to get rid of him a week later after he traded two guys for for two prospects that will never make it to the big league ball club for nothing. They traded two players for nothing. So absolutely hilarious that they let him go through another deadline where some, some moves needed to be made. And you, meanwhile, you got Chris Illich reading off of a note sheet of, of guys that are on his, his MLB roster. It's pathetic. Uh, The Tigers are a joke. Chris Illich is a joke. And that's kind of all I have to say about them right now. I mean, thank God Alavila is gone, but, uh, the real problem still there in Chris Illich. And until he sells the team, you're not going to get too, too uh, optimistic of an outlook from me on, on the outlook of the Detroit Tigers. But well, we can get optimistic about Jay Nivey. And there's our segue back to Good. the Pistons. Could Jay Nivey win Rookie of the Year? According to Bet Online, Ivy is plus eight hundred to win Rookie of the Year. He's tied with Jabari Smith, with Paolo, Paolo Bancaro is the favorite at plus two fifty. Keegan Maria Chet and Chet Holmgren are plus four hundred to win Rookie of the Year. You know, we we talked about this last year with Kate Cunningham, and I think we we thought that he was probably the favorite to win Rookie of the Year. None of us had Scotty Barnes. 
I don't think. I, I have not gone back and listened to those old podcasts, but we definitely didn't. No shot. I don't think we talked about Scotty Barnes, <laughs> which maybe was an oversight, but I don't think we anticipated him doing what he was doing for a team that, you know, was a playoff team um, in that way. But Cade was certainly up there, and we both expect Jay Ivey to be in that conversation for most of the year. No? I, I think so. I think when you look at the situation, you you have to obviously look at Detroit's situation. Uh, but you also have to look at you know these other teams and these other guys that are potential candidates, like a Jabari Smith, like a Chet Holmgren. What kind of situation are they going into? Uh, you know, how big of a role are they going to have? Just as much as how big of a role is Jaden Ivey going to have? From Ivey's perspective, you know, it would be a catastrophic mistake for him to not be the starting shooting guard uh, on opening night in October. This team, you know, is as we've talked about, not a, a, a contender of any sorts. They're a, a potential, potential play-in team if things really go right for them. So they are need to be playing the young guys. They're need, they need to be focused on developing the talent and the chemistry of their young core, Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, and Jaden Ivey, right? So if if – things go as they should Jaden Ivey is the day one starting shooting guard a walking into a team that's in desperate need of guys that can score the basketball and let's face it scoring the basketball is the biggest way to put yourself in a position to win an award like rookie of the year Jaden Ivey can score he can make big time highlight level plays that are gonna find yourself on you know, House of Highlights, ESPN, Sports Center, NBA, whatever. Like, this is a guy that it can make those types of plays that draw up interest in him. And that's something that plays a factor in, in the Rookie of the Year award as well. But most importantly, he's in line to take on a rather significant workload day one for a team that, although they're not a playoff team, although they're even at their best, probably a fringe play-in team, is drawing interest from across the league. Now, what is going to hurt Jaden Ivey is the fact that Detroit will probably get one and nationally televised game between an ESPN or TNT broadcast, maybe a handful of NBA TV games. He's not going to be put in the national spotlight, uh, which is, is going to hurt him because it's Detroit. And it was Detroit was in the same boat last year with the number one pick in the draft in Cade Cunningham. So they're not going to change that uh, for Jaden Ivey this year because Detroit's not going to take, uh, you know, it's not in line to take some significant leap in terms of record. So that is going to go against him. But I think in the grand scheme of things, when you look at the potential impact that he can have box score wise uh, in terms of his minutes on the court, in terms of the highlight plays that he can make, he's going to be in that discussion. Um, I don't think he's my favorite to win it right now. I don't know if I I, I would even say he's in my top two. I think, obviously, Paolo Bencaro is far and away the most likely rookie uh, of the year, just considering the situation in, in Orlando. He's going to you know walk in, and he's – the number one guy there. I mean, you know, Franz Wagner had a hell of a rookie season and 
I'm a big believer uh, in Wendell Carter and, and they, you know, they have some intriguing guards, but everything in Orlando should be predicated around Paulo Bencaro and, and maximizing Paulo Bencaro. And, and that's going to immediately put him, you know, in a position to, to, to put up the big numbers and draw that in interest uh, uh, being the number one pick to, to be that top contender um, for rookie of the year. I think Chet Holmgren is obviously another name that I, I'm going to be intrigued by. I don't know if he gets it, but the, the eyes that are going to be on him just because of the way he is, you know, seven, two, but with, you know, a thin as a rail body that we really have not seen uh, in the NBA, there's going to be so many eyes on him that if he comes out and, and is able to contribute and play well, like he's a guy that I, I, he's obviously ranked, you know, plus 400. Yeah. He's tied for the second best odds uh, amongst rookies for, for rookie of the year. Like I think he's another guy that I would probably have placed above Ivy, but hell I didn't have, we weren't talking about Scotty Barnes uh, no. at this time. You know, we were talking about the top three picks and, and Scotty Barnes was the fourth pick. Jaden Ivey this year is the fourth pick. Everyone's probably talking about Paolo, Chet. Maybe some people are still talking a little bit about Jabari Smith. I'm sure there are some people pretty turned off by uh, his, his summer league performance. And as I'm talking, Jaden Ivey was not the fourth pick. He was the fifth pick. Oh, he I was going to say, <laughs> but, that that guy that's not being talked about last year won it in Scotty Barnes. This year, I think you know there's a there's a world there's a scenario where where Jaden Ivy comes away with it. I don't think it's the the easy pick. I don't think it's the obvious pick. It's certainly a dark horse pick, uh, but I do think he's got a shot because the minutes are going to be there. The scoring opportunity should be there, and Detroit's not afraid uh, to play the young guys. That's what we've seen, you know, really since the rebuild started and with that first group of draft picks. Uh, in 2020 with Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, and Isaiah Stewart. Like all those guys got a lot of minutes. They had a lot of opportunity. It continued last year with Kate Cunningham, uh, and it should continue into this year with, with Jaden Ivey. So he's got a shot. It's not it's not the the top pick in my opinion, but he, he's got a shot at it for sure. You know, I I think that, well, one, he, he definitely has a shot because he's going to get the play time, and he might have the highlight plays and the – volume shooting opportunities to in, uh, in, increase his scoring load. I do wonder about every other stat of his other than scoring. I don't know if he's going to have an opportunity to get the assist numbers that a guy like Paolo Bancaro might get because he's a little bit of a, of a better passer. I don't know how it's going to match up against a guy like Keegan Murray, who, I mean, the Kings might be a playoff team, at least with, that's what they're hoping, you know, and he was very good in summer league. He looked a step above everyone else in summer league. I mean, maybe the combination of playoffs plus veteranness, and he's going to get a ton of minutes too for the Kings because they're going to be gunning for the playoffs. So between probably not being in a winning situation and not having the stats aside from scoring, I feel like it'll just be tougher for Jaden Ivey to win it. It's not to say he can't or shouldn't be um, with the odds that he currently has, but I think it, it will be difficult for him to win it uh, as, as unfortunate as that is. And, you know, he's not going to be the workhorse either. He's going to be not number two or one on the, 
you know, in terms of the pecking order for, for touches and scoring. He should start, which will help dramatically, but I don't know about if he's going to be in the position to get all the ancillary stats that are going to push him over the edge, like Scotty Barnes, who was very multi-tooled with his passing ability. I mean, they would play him at point, essentially point forward, and he went to work. Um, Ivy seems a little bit more like in the argument area that Jalen Green had, where he would put the ball on the deck and score, or he would just show off his scoring capabilities. And that was enough to get him in the conversation last year, but not win it. And I feel like Jaden Ivey's probably going to be in the same boat. I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think, I think this year's race can be, I don't think there's a guy that is necessarily going to run away with it. Like I said, I think Paolo is definitely the favorite, just considering that the situation and uh, his readiness to come in and, and, and contribute. Um, but I think there's a good group of guys. I think any of the top five, you know, have a legitimate shot. Uh, Keegan Murray, I think he's going into a team, you know, kind of like Evan Mobley, where maybe they're a playoff group and he's maybe not going to be the number one guy, uh, but he's going to have a big enough role that if that team is, is successful and he's starting and he's playing big minutes and he's contributing at a, a relatively high level, he's going to be in that mix just like Evan Mobley was. And so I think it's setting up to be a fun rookie of the year race. Uh, I, like I said, I don't think there's a guy that's the clear cut favorite. Uh, and there's a lot of talent across the board at different positions that that'll make this, this, this race intriguing throughout the season. Yep, I I don't think there's a clear cut guy, and that, uh, I mean, that just makes it fun, you know. That that makes it enjoyable, and it keeps you on your toes for a while. And I don't want to poo poo all all over the possibility of Jay Ivey not winning it. Um, just think it's an uphill battle, but we'll let the season unfold and you know make that sort of justification. Let's see what January or February looks like. Let's see what it looks like then. Um, I mean, I completely dismissed Chet Holmgren because as soon as he starts playing well, him and Shea Gilgis-Alexander will be shut down. So Chet's, uh, <laughs> Chet's not even on my radar for that because um, while it sounds ridiculous that, you know, and it's fun to poke fun at Sam Presti shutting down guys um, to keep the tank moving. But now with Victor Wembanyama as a potential get at the number one pick, I don't think Sam Presti's going to shy away from having guys shelved for sudden ankle injuries or thigh contusions or those strange injuries that pop up in February for good players. Just all of a sudden, as a as an as an owner of Shea Gilgis Alexander last year on my fantasy basketball team, it was very frustrating to have him play for the Oklahoma City Thunder, knowing that there was a moment where he was suddenly going to be out for a while, and that was just how it was going to be. Um, good stuff. We're going to probably talk about this a lot more as we get into training camp and start to see how the rotations shake out because that is a big deal. That's a big part of it is that Jaden Ivey plays a lot. Um, and we'll, we will have to see what that, what that looks like. Let's move on to our second topic, which is about the off season again. And, you know, we've talked to plenty about optimism and, and analyze the moves and both you and Jasper have had time to look at the off season and, um, talk about your favorite moves, not so favorite moves. What do you think could be 
Detroit's biggest regret this offseason? For me, and I think this is going to be a, a pretty unpopular opinion to the masses. So yes, this do it. Some people, I think it's going to be re-signing Marvin Bagley. You know, I think you look at that contract, three years, $39 million, no options, fully guaranteed. Um, it's not a contract style that Troy Weaver ha- has thrown out a ton in his tenure. A lot of his deals are two years, three years, with a team option on the last year, partial guarantee. Uh, so this is a sign that they really do believe in Bagley. They believe he's going to continue to grow as a player. Uh, I don't know if I see him growing into a player that's worth $13 million a year. Now, maybe the cap will kick and it's going to go up a significant amount. And $13 million a year this year uh, is going to be like nine or $10 million the year before. Uh, but, but even so, I think it was a pretty lofty financial commitment to a guy that although he came in and helped Detroit after the trade deadline, uh, it's very apparent his shortcomings were also hurting the team. You know, defensively, he was a liability. He was a lost cause on that side of the floor. And that's predominantly been the case throughout his entire NBA career. Uh, It's been part of why it's been challenging for him to find minutes in in his career. It's why he was in the situation that he was in in Sacramento. This is a guy that just doesn't compete at that same level defensively that he does on offense. And while offensively he provided some excellent things for Detroit, his ability to finish at the rim, be the rolling big and pick and rolls, provide athleticism at the cup, that's all important. That's all great. But Marvin Bagley wants to be a shooter, wants to be a three-point shooter. Marvin Bagley, in his career, has not been a three-point shooter, not at a consistent level. This is a guy that, you know, last season, again, didn't shoot the ball well from outside the arc, under 24%. On the career, he's a 29% three-point shooter. Now, can that improve? Will it improve? I wouldn't, I I would be shocked if it didn't. It should get better. But at the same time, is Marvin Bagley going to go from a a, a career 29% three-point shooter to a 40% three-point shooter? Is he ever even going to get to to 36? You know, the league average is now what, 37, 38%. So we're talking about, you know, these improvements that even to be a league average floor spacer Bagley would have to improve his three-point percentage just from his career you know not looking at last season you're talking about seven percent eight percent that's a lot and when you put that with his inability to contribute defensively even though he really should be able to when you look at his size and athleticism and wingspan uh, that should be a guy that can be a rim protector, can be one of those backline communicators. It's not all there. And I think when you're Detroit and you have Isaiah Stewart, you just drafted Jalen Duran, you have a little bit more athleticism there now. Isaiah Livers looks like he's going to be a stretch four, looks like he's going to be a player. 
He really does. And, and we've talked about him before uh, in, in these last few podcasts with Jasper and I. Uh, we've talked about how high we are on him. That's a guy that's going to be taking minutes, uh, you know, in that bigs group. You're still paying Kelly Olynyk for at least next season. You didn't trade him. Uh, so that's another guy that's floor spacing. So you have athletic bigs in guys like Duran and Noel. You have, you know, finishers and guys like Stewart. You have floor spacers and guys like Olenek and Livers. And, you know, maybe while none of those guys are great right now or the perfect fits right now, I don't think Marvin Bagley is going to be able to, you know, stand up against that group and be the top top guy or the top two guy. You know, this is a guy that you're going to be paying $13 million to, and he's a backup big right now. And I don't know if it gets better for him. I don't know if he's a starting level big. Yeah, he's still very young. Uh, he's what, 22, 23 years old right now? He's a he's very 23 old. years old. So there's going to be growth. I just think the financial commitment was rather strong for a team that's still another year or two out from really being a potential playoff contender, uh, which means they really shouldn't be committing that that big type, big role player type money to, to some of these guys that. Look, is Marvin Bagley good enough to play in a playoff series? I don't know. And maybe you feel that doesn't matter right now because Detroit's not a playoff team. But at the end of the day, if they're not a playoff team, they have all these other guys that could be getting minutes. Maybe they should have just used that money to absorb a contract and, and get an extra first-round pick or another asset in, in, in that sort of way rather than signing themselves up to, to $39 million in three years of a player that – Yes, he helped the team last year, uh, but his flaws are, are going to become more and more apparent and more and more extraneous as this team grows, develops, gets better, becomes more competitive because he doesn't do some very, very key things for the player that he is, the player that he needs to be, and the type of player that he wants to be. So I also had the Marvin Bagley signing as my regrets. Um, so maybe we both have unpopular opinions. Or is but, that popular, man? I yeah, think may, popular maybe. within the, the group of, like, Pistons bloggers, podcasters, etc. Right. I think the general public really, really likes Bagley because he does a lot of things that are exciting. You know, the dunks, the pick and rolls with Cade and Killian. But and I also know, find that exciting. Right. <laughs> that stuff's is. good. It is, but the wider scope of it is is where my concern is so he shot 78 percent at the rim that is 11 percent higher than his career high in fact his 78 percent at the rim is was in the 94th percentile for bigs he was right at jared allen territory who was notoriously pretty efficient at the rim he shot 24 percent from three last year uh not good he was in the Demonis Sabonis range. Um, but that's right around where he has traditionally been, aside from 2020, 2021, where he shot 36% from three and thought, oh, wow, maybe. And they shot 25% with Sacramento last year and then 24% with the Pistons on obviously smaller volume. So, you know, I, I agree. You've you've got Nerlens Noel, who I think is going to play more than people think. You've got Isaiah Stewart, who you're still – I mean, this is a critical year for Isaiah Stewart. This is 
where, you know, teams start to figure out the long-term view for the next playoff team. And, you know, the Pistons are going to have some financial room next year. Uh, they hampered that a little bit with the Marvin Bagley contract, but you've got Bagley, you've got Jalen Duran, who you had mentioned as, as being a, he is definitely a project player. Um, he's super young. He might be the youngest player in the league. I remember somebody asking me that. And I, he won't be 19 until what, November? Yeah, it's, it's, he's, he's really young. So I don't expect him to come in and start playing significant minutes unless there's a slew of injuries, which, I mean, based on Pistons bigs last year, maybe we should be prepared for, for that. Looking at you, Kelly Olenek. Um, so I, you know, I think it's for this year, at least, yes, the, he's going to get some time to play just because there is some youth and they're trying to figure some things out. And he is athletic. And like you said, he, he dunks the ball and he runs the pick and roll and, Defensively, he is a, a a massive liability. And the dollar amount is going to look, I think, really tough in when he's a, you know, a free agent in 2025, 2026. I mean, that that money is going to be hard to move in 24, 25 at 12 and a half mil. Because he because by then, Isaiah Stewart may have already carved out a role. And Jalen Duran may already be flexing his muscles as getting significant time. And you might not have any room for Marvin Bagley anymore. He might be a $12.5 million end of the bench player for all we know. And that's quite a bit of money. That's going to be harder to move as an expiring or near expiring even. So, and most importantly, I don't think they needed to pay that much for him. I don't know who else was interested in Marvin Bagley at that price point. I mean, the Pistons gave up hardly anything to get him in the first place. Uh, they were just kind of taking a flyer because they needed a big and they needed, I mean, they, they really didn't have a whole lot of interest in Jeremy Grant. They needed somebody to come in and play some minutes at the four. And they took a flyer on a former very high lottery pick because they can afford to, and they were in a good position too. but then they paid him a quite a bit of money. And I do question the, the, amount of money i don't question re-signing him but i do question the amount of money because i i think they should be should have been looking to keep the financial flexibility as much as possible and i'm sure that there will be people that will say well the pistons had all this money to spend so why not just spend it that to me we talked about that for most of the season leading up till the end we don't want the Pistons to spend their money for the sake of spending money. It's why we didn't want them to go after Jalen Brunson or go after Colin Sexton or give a max contract to DeAndre Ayton necessarily. But I think the money will be harder to move towards the end of that contract uh, when those other young guys have already carved out a space like Jalen Duran and like Isaiah Stewart. So I'm I'm on board with you. I, I, I think the, the Marvin Bagley signing was too high. The acquisition at the at the trade deadline was fine. I think we were happy about that. We thought this makes sense. This is fine. He did some cool stuff. I don't know what they saw to give him that sort of contract. I guess you make a you make a good point. Um, I think the that bringing back Bagley in itself didn't hurt the team um, because I think part of me would rather see him play over Kelly Olynyk. I think day one he's probably better suited to contribute over a guy like Jalen Duran. 
it's to me the money. It's to me the three years, the $39 million. It'd be a little different if it was, you know, a two plus one, partially guaranteed for the third year or whatever. And it was, you know, 35, you know, 35 million or 32 million. It's, it's tough looking at $13 million a year for a guy that if Isaiah Stewart's in the fold, Jalen Duran's in the fold, Isaiah Livers is in the fold, and you have Kelly Olenek, and you have Nerlens Noel, plus Sadiq Bey could probably play some minutes at the four because he's looked good there at times last year, and it allows you to go smaller, get some extra shooting out there, things like that, throw a different look out there. It just makes it a little bit harder for Bagley to to really fit in on this team long term, and now you're paying thirteen million dollars to a guy who, you know, last year it was Kelly Olynyk who you're giving twelve million dollars to. This year it's it's Marvin Bagley. I'm just not sure it was the right contract. The signing, the return in itself, bringing Bagley back, not the worst thing in the world. The contract itself is is my issue with it. And I think Detroit a year from now might be saying, man, that roster spot, that cap space, that flexibility, uh, the minutes that we gave him that perhaps could have gone to Livers or perhaps could have gone to Durant might have us in a better spot for this upcoming season where we're actually going to be trying to make that leap into a playoff team, uh, you know, rather than re-signing him and playing him and now we have him so that's where i'm gonna wrap up there on on the on this topic yep i'm glad we're on the same page on our totally unoriginal belief that the marvin bank signing was the most regrettable decision and you know i'm you know we also said this about uh jeremy grant we did I believe we did so <laughs> it's funny we both said bagley <laughs> as well because jasper and i would have like taken a couple minutes either, you know, early and earlier, you know, in the day or, or day before whatever to discuss the topics and be like, oh, you know, who are you going to say for this? I want to say something different. We've been doing this for years, Mike. We don't do that. We just kind of go on here and do our thing. We're not going to plan like Jasper because Jasper, you know, he's all worried about, oh, the listeners might want to hear different perspectives and things <laughs> like that. No, Mike and I have been podcasting since I was 14 years old, folks. Like we're not spending our time. Oh, who are you going to say for this? What are your points going to be? I want to have something to say back. No, we don't do that, Jasper. We, we're professionals here. We just kind of go in and, and we say what we want to say. That's exactly right. We try to wedge in a Mitch McGarry oh. uh, name drop or a Steve Blake name drop. And we call it a day. You got to make like a bingo sheet for for people to have <laughs> on hand when, when they're watching uh, or listening. And I I will never I, I will never forget the podcast. I totally forget what we were talking about, but I think it was during the pandemic. We were talking about some trade that happened. And we talked about Mitch McGarry earlier in the podcast and he was part of another trade and he was like throw in player and the reference came all the way back around from the beginning of the podcast to the end. I will have to go back and find that a double Mitch McGarry references of rarity. It's ingrained in the podcast history at this point. This show doesn't go on without the Mitch McGarry. (laughs) Okay. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Not where we're at now without Mitch McGarry. Someday we'll be famous enough to where another person on YouTube will put together a compilation of our funniest moments, but we're not there yet. 
Um, I need to by, by adding Jasper, I think we are on the the road towards that. Yeah, at this point, half that video, more than half that video would just be Jasper doing his own story time mid-show. Which is crazy because he has been on for a fraction of the time that we have been doing this. He came on, what, you know, midway through or a month into last season, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He would dominate the video of, you know, over six or whatever years it's been of this podcast, six, seven years, and he would dominate it. Hands he down. would, yeah. Yeah, maybe we're boring. Who knows? He just wants the attention. I get it. He just says <laughs> stuff just because he wants the attention. This turned into a uh, rag on Jasper. Maybe adding Jasper is our most regrettable move of the off season. <laughs> it comes full circle. And there we go. Comes full circle. Jasper, the truth's coming out. <laughs> uh, and he has no way to defend himself, too. We're very sorry, Jasper. It'll be funny to know if we'll, we'll know – jasper's reaction to this if he actually listens to the show you know if he if he says that's a good point i'm gonna actually listen instead of you know recording i'm gonna listen this week i wonder if he's gonna listen like i hope that at some point in the next few days we get a message from jasper just being like hey i quit i hate y'all like (laughs) yeah listen to the show the listeners will know that that happened as as he is never back on the podcast (laughs) Oh my gosh, if Jasper has to miss next week for whatever reason, it's going to be the greatest scandal in, in history of, of podcasting. Yes, the history of podcasting. Maybe Pistons podcasting, although who knows at this point. True. Hey, did you <laughs> did you see me get caught in the in the crossfire uh, of Pistons Reddit? No, I did not. Yeah. Please so, do tell. I'm, I'm not going to get all the way into it because this was like, a, a, I think it was like a month or so ago. But Pistons Reddit, which is just a, an odd place in general, um, was talking some, some major crap about um, another member of like the Pistons blog community or whatever. And this one dude just goes, yeah, him and, and Aaron Johnson just, you know, they just talk like they, they, you know, they, they know everything or like whatever. It was just like, they just totally like threw me under the bus when I guess these people, you know, were, were talking about someone else in the community. And like this one dude just was like, Hey, let's, Let's bash Aaron and no, I I definitely saw that. <laughs> yeah, so that was I definitely cool. saw that. <laughs> hey, any publicity is good publicity, right? I think that's how this works. Is that is that how that's supposed to go? No, it's not. But uh, we'll let the podcast download speak for themselves. Yes, we. You know what? More and more people are listening, and I love that. Whether you love me or hate me, and most of you seem to hate me. I love that you're listening. Okay, that's the biggest ego <laughs> booster I could ever need. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be like the Bill Simmons podcast where people just listen to a dog on Bill Simmons. <laughs> well, that means that the Ringer sponsorship is coming any day now. I'll be on the lookout. Right. Yeah, you're, you're gonna handle those contract negotiations, right? Yes. Yes, <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will. Uh, yeah, go to a quick lawyer school like every browns fan has the last two months <laughs> learning everything they can about the law so that they can argue on twitter more accurately and still be wrong it the sean watson supposedly starting friday night for against yeah the- i don't yeah i don't know i've uh i've tried to disassociate with that i'm i am over it i'm over it they'll sign jimmy garoppolo after 49ers can't trade him and the, the Browns will sign him and they'll have uh, just about the same quarterback play they did last year with Baker Mayfield. 
and everybody will say how much better or worse it is. And then we'll move into next year. Just who knows at this point. Just be like me. Don't 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 expect anything. I I never expect the Lions to win a game at this point. I, I'm just a football fan. I'm not a Lions fan. You should just end your Browns fandom. Just be a fan of football. It's a lot easier on your soul. We yeah, don't I, come from sports cities that that respect us. Okay, they're just there to tear us down. That's true. Being a Browns fan is uh, thankless, and being a Lions fan is probably equally thankless. It's bad. And yet I'll be in the building Friday night for their first preseason. <laughs> uh, well, then we have no one to blame but ourselves. True. Do we have any other Pistons things to talk about? Why would we want to do that, dude? This is not – oh, wait, it is a Pistons podcast. Uh, it is a Pistons podcast. Because it's literally the middle of August, and there's Kevin Durant's still a, a Brooklyn Net, even though now it's at the expense of Sean Marks and Steve Nash. Now that you said it, he's going to be traded right after this podcast, and it's going to be outdated after 15 minutes. So be it, Kevin. You're going to post it, he'll be traded, and then everybody will be listening to this and be like, these guys are not even right. What if he's traded to Detroit? Well, then we have an emergency podcast, and I close my office door, and I have a podcast from my office. (laughs) I think we just, like, yeah, I think immediately we'd have to just do a live podcast, live show. Just drop everything. Yeah, yeah. I'll go to my car and record a podcast with you. That's how that'll have to go. That's all right. Let's do. I kind of want to see how that goes. So now the Pistons should just trade for Kevin. <laughs> yeah, independent of me, uh, they should still do it anyway. Ah, let's have okay, okay. Let's talk about the Pistons for one last second because we do need okay. to wrap this up. Yes. Uh, because that's it's been a discussion uh, when the Raptors were in talks to be a suitor for Kevin Durant. Uh, they didn't want to trade Scotty Barnes. They weren't willing to trade Scotty Barnes. Would you be willing to give up Kate Cunningham? Or from your stance, would you be willing to give up Evan Mobley to get Kevin Durant? You know, this question circulated around Cavs Twitter quite a bit. Is it Mobley for KD straight up? Oh, God. Okay. No, this was too – we're going too niche now. I wasn't planning this. Um, obviously, <laughs> there had to be some financial stuff in there. I, but Mobley would main asset, yes. I would say no. And maybe maybe I'm a complete idiot because I don't want 34-year-old Kevin Durant who's coming off Achilles injuries. But I just don't know about the toxicity of having somebody who you don't know actually wants to be here. And I really think that the Cavs are gearing up for hoping for LeBron to be available next offseason when the Cavs conveniently have a ton of money coming off the books. Yeah, that's that's destiny. That's destiny. I I think I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, I mean, obviously, Kevin. Durant, I, I don't think I give up Kate Cunningham. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, obviously, Kevin Durant is, is Kevin Durant, but like Kevin Durant doesn't make the Pistons a championship team, you know, not by himself, at least. And especially if it's, you know, in return, Detroit's giving up their, their next best player in Kate Cunningham. Um, so at 34, the the Achilles issue, the toxicity issues. I think, you know, if it was a different package, it'd be a completely different discussion. So don't everyone go crazy and say, you guys are morons. I think a potential 12, 15 years of Cade Cunningham is more important than a, what, two years of Kevin Durant? 
Yeah. You know, I, uh, that's what I think. That's what I think. I I figured the level of try to to do to talk about the Pistons for one more second because we spent a lot of this podcast not talking about them. <laughs> I just threw out that little theoretical there. No, it's definitely been something that made its way around Cavs Twitter after Kevin Durant, you know, asked for a trade. Everyone was thinking, how how can we get Kevin Durant without giving up Darius Garland or Evan Mobley? And I just don't know if that's possible. Yeah, I, 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 I just don't think it's possible. And likewise for the Pistons, you'd be giving up everybody but Kate Cunningham, and I, I don't think the Brooklyn Nets would, would go for that. I mean, someone Bay and Jay Nivey are fine, but no, it's really interesting because that trade is going to have to, like, that offer is going to have to come down. The Nets are going to either have to lower their expectations or they're going to fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks. Something's going to have to give eventually, and if. KD is willing to hold out, then that's going to extend this into the season, then so be it. But something's going to have to happen. I mean, I definitely wouldn't trade Kate Cunningham for Kevin Durant. I don't think I'd trade Evan Mobley for Kevin Durant. Maybe we're stupid for thinking that. Maybe we're not. But there's got to be other people out there who think the same way. Well, I'll let Aaron uh, get his AOL discs back so he could put them into his computer to fire up the internet a little bit longer and uh, make calls off his landline. So... With that, uh, we're going to end this edition of the Palace Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. It has been a pleasure to be back on the podcast. Thank you to Aaron for once again having me on to take away the hosting duties, as I'm sure he's very gracious for. And uh, Pistons fans, we will all see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.